0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. So how are you doing with day two of your New Year's resolution? Keep it up! Anyway, join us for the next half hour to hear the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up.
1: I'll tell you this, in my first four years as a Christian, there were many times when I re- returned back to my idolatry. I was a believer, but I had still plenty of friends in the world and maybe even Christian friends who you know, weren't quite where they needed to be, and we meandered on many occasions right back to doing offerings before the idol, if you know what I'm saying, and it was hurtful to my Christian walk. In fact, I'll tell you, there was, a, there was one moment where I showed up late for church on a Sunday and I had spent some time with the idol to be quite candid with you. And the services were over and I asked the pastor, is there going to be a service tonight? I was so desperate to get the good things of God into my life. And, and he looked at me and he kind of knew what was going on with me because I had come out of a party lifestyle. And he goes, You're hurting, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am hurting. Because I know what's right, but sometimes I just, my flesh is so weak. I I so wanted to ingest the things of God because I had taken in the things of the idol. And, And there were weekends, I'm just going to be completely candid and blunt with you, where I was depressed all weekend because I had gone back to the idol on Friday night, but I knew better. Can I get a witness? And all of a sudden, I found myself condemned even though Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I wasn't condemned in God's eyes, but I condemned myself in my own eyes because I knew I knew better. And I do believe that there are believers in the world that are genuinely struggling, so you're not alone if you struggle. But to, to build up one another, to love one another well, is not to say, I have a right to do something and I'm going to drag you into my sin. It's no, let's try to do good together. Look at 12. And thus, this is no soft matters of opinion language, brothers and sisters. And thus, by sinning against the brethren and wounding, it speaks of striking vigorous blows or beating their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Now, essentially, this is what this means. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ. Christ lives in you. Your body, we saw earlier in Corinthians, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You've been bought with a price. So now, let's say that you were the Pied Piper and you led someone back into compromise. And they were wounded. Here again, their conscience. See the word conscience? It's two Latin words. Con means with and science means knowledge. So conscience means with knowledge. So they went in there and with knowledge they sinned against their conscience. And So now now they're wounded. And when that happens, look at middle of 12. You sin against Christ. Because they're in Christ and you're in Christ. Remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus and he saw this brilliant, life and he was knocked, brilliant light and he was knocked off his high horse. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. This is Acts 9, 4, and 5. Why do you persecute me? Who, you, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then he says, what would you have me to do, Lord? <laughs> Get up. Go into the city, you'll be shown what you must do. See, every time Paul struck a blow against the church, he was doing it to Jesus. Why do you persecute me? Well, Saul didn't have a chance to persecute Jesus directly that we know of, but he was persecuting the church. And by virtue of doing that, he was persecuting the Lord. Remember in Matthew 25, 45, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, To the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And to the extent that you did it to one of these least of these, you did it, what? For me. So when we do something good, Matthew 25, it's as if we did it for the Lord. You give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, you reach out to someone who's broken and hurting, and you did it to him. But when you hold back, or worse yet, 1 Corinthians 8, you lead someone down the wrong path, you hurt the Lord. In fact, this language says you sin against the Lord. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 6, and I'm going to read a little story for you about something that happened in a classroom. Ezekiel chapter 6, a young lady named Sally took a seminary class taught by Professor Smith who was known for his elaborate object lessons one day sally walked into class to find a large target placed on the wall with several darts resting on a nearby table professor smith told the students to draw a picture of someone they disliked or someone who made them angry and he would allow them to throw darts at the person's picture well sally's friend on her right drew a picture of another woman who had stolen her boyfriend another friend on her left drew a picture of his younger brother can i get a witness anyway Sally drew a picture of Professor Smith, putting great detail into her drawing, even drawing pimples on his face. She was quite pleased at the overall effect she'd achieved. The class lined up and began throwing darts amidst much laughter. Some of the students threw with such force that they ripped apart their targets. But Sally, looking forward to her turn, was filled with disappointment when Professor Smith himself asked the students, to return to their seats so he could begin the lecture. As Sally fumed about, missing her chance to throw the darts, the professor began removing the target from the wall. Underneath the target was a picture of Jesus. A hush fell over the room as each student viewed the mangled image of the Savior. Holes and jagged marks covered his face. His eyes were virtually pierced out. Professor Smith said only these words, Inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. We can find that we can take our anger out, we can laugh about it, but we we have a God who is so intimately involved in our lives. He actually cares about how we treat each other, the darts that we throw at each other, And he apparently takes it so personally that he says, when you do it to them, you've done it to me. Now check this out. This is Ezekiel 6, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Ezekiel 6, 3. Say, mountains of Israel, listen to the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. Behold... I myself am going to bring a sword on you and will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, your incense altars will be smashed, and I shall make your slain fall in front of your idols. You wanted to fall in front of them? Okay, I'll allow that. I shall also lay the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols and shall scatter your bones around your altars." In all your dwellings, cities will become waste and the high places will be desolate. That your altars, these are to all the false gods, may become waste and desolate. Your idols may be broken and brought to an end. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works may be blotted out. And the slain will fall among you and you will know that I am the Lord. You'll know that I'm the true God and they're all false. However, I shall leave a remnant for you. Uh, For you will have those who escape the sword among the nations, God's bringing judgment, when you are scattered among the countries. Then those of you who escape will remember me, among the nations to which they will be carried captive. Please notice how I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes, which played the harlot after their idols, And they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would inflict the disaster on them. Uh, Skip down to verse 13. Then you will know that I am the Lord when their slain are among their idols, around their altars, on every high hill, on all the top of the mountains, tops of the mountains, under every green tree and under every leafy oak, the places where they offered soothing aroma to all their idols, and so throughout all their inha- their habitations, I shall stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and waste than the wilderness toward Dibla, and they will know that I am the Lord. Don't you look at verse nine, God says how I've been hurt by their adulterous hearts that turned away from me. Back to 1 Corinthians 8, and we'll finish it. There's only one reason that God could be hurt. Only one reason. When you're hurt by a person, what's at the core of that hurt? But well, You could say maybe rejection. But if you really love somebody and they hurt you, I tell couples at the marriage altar all the time, there is no one who can love you more than this person next to you, your spouse, about to be. And there is no one who can hurt you more. You're going to enter into a covenant that's so close, the two of you will become one. But be careful, because if you say a hurtful word to this person that you're one with, essentially you hurt yourself But there's no one who can hurt you more than your spouse and there's no one who can love you more. And there's only, please hear me, brethren, only one reason why God would be hurt by the idolatry of Israel and that's this, because he loves them. If God didn't care, it wouldn't affect him in the least. But he's hurt by Israel's idolatry because he so loves them.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walking in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, The Christian life is a battle. It's not easy to stay on the straight and narrow, to walk the way we're supposed to in the midst of all kinds of temptations of our flesh, the world, the enemy. And so God has given us a provision. Here's the amazing thing. God has given us armor. And it is because he loves us and wants to protect us. Armor is for protection. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com.
0: Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: I shall stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and waste than the wilderness toward Diblah, And they will know that I am the Lord. Should you look at verse 9, God says, how I've been hurt by their adulterous hearts that turned away from me. Back to 1 Corinthians 8, and we'll finish it. There's only one reason that God could be hurt. Only one reason. When you're hurt by a person, what's at the core of that hurt? But well, You could say maybe rejection. But if you really love somebody and they hurt you, I, I tell couples at the marriage altar all the time, there is no one who can love you more than this person next to you, your spouse, about to be. And there is no one who can hurt you more. You're going to enter into a covenant that's so close, the two of you will become one. But be careful. Because if you say a hurtful word to this person that you're one with, essentially you hurt yourself But there's no one who can hurt you more than your spouse, and there's no one who can love you more. And there's only, please hear me, brethren, only one reason why God would be hurt by the idolatry of Israel, and that's this, because he loves them. If God didn't care, it wouldn't affect him in the least. But he's hurt by Israel's idolatry because he so loves them. What's the modern application for us? Well, we make choices. Some of them are choices about music and what we eat and drink and movies and things that we could say fall into categories of Christian liberty. But there are other choices that we make that have nothing to do with matters of opinion. They are downright idolatrous sin. Sin. And if the church in the modern age, because of all the pressures that we face, and they're all real, somehow finds a place where we can justify saying to other people, you can go back and do this. I think you can see from the tenor of the text, it's no light thing in God's eyes. Now, I didn't arrive here this morning to bum you out. But I have to tell you, I think you can see The sense of which Paul is saying, look, this is not what should be happening. He ends with, therefore, verse 13, if food causes my brother to stumble, I think he's using now some extreme language, I will never eat meat again that I might not cause my brother to stumble. And I think you have to see stumble here is stumble back into idolatry. This is from David Gutzik. He says, Paul would never allow this principle to be a way for a legalist to make demands and bind a Christian walking in liberty. In Galatians 2, Paul describes a situation where Peter made Gentiles think they had to come under Jewish customs and laws to be saved. Peter did this through his association and approval of some legalists. Paul rebuked Peter strongly because of this. Even if the legalists from a Jewish background had said, To the Gentiles, your lack of obedience to our custom stumbles us. We are stumbled brothers. You must do what we want. Paul would have replied, you are not stumbled because you are being tempted to sin through their actions. Your legalism is being offended. Out of love, I will never act in a way that might tempt you to sin. But I don't care at all about offending your legalism. In fact, says Gutzik, I'm happy to do it. Here's where we need to find the balance as believers. We are not to live under the bondage or legalism of people who take matters of opinion and make them law. Uh Uh-uh. That's flat-out wrong and unbiblical. But we are also not to take matters that God has clearly spoken and compromise them so that people stumble. And so here's where we need great wisdom. We need to know, know our Bibles well enough to know the difference between the two, and it's coming in our face in all different directions. Now, what do we do? Well, here's what we do. We, first of all, revel in the cross. Because if God kept a record of my sins, oh Lord, who could stand? If my sins had not been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ and his precious blood shed for me, I am in deep trouble (laughs) because I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even after becoming a Christian, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God is no longer counting my sins against me. (laughs) Praise God. Jesus Christ died on the cross to deal with all of our garbage, including the times that we have nailed Friends and hurt others and thrown our darts and got it wrong and sometimes we got it wrong. Frankly, just because we were ignorant, we didn't understand. We were hearing voices tell us, "Oh, this is right. This is the way to go." And then we saw something in our Bible and we went, "Rut row." And then what do you do then? Do do you have to do you have to? Do something to make it right, to be back in good standing with God? No, the truth of the matter is you're already in good standing with God because you're in Christ and Jesus is perfect and by virtue of his perfection, so are you. However, choices we make still have consequences. What we sow to, we will reap. And so the Christian life becomes a wonderful opportunity to learn, to grow, even to say, Lord, I... I made some errors in this particular area of my life. Forgive me. I want to move forward. And sometimes you have to have a conversation with someone and say, you know what? The counsel I gave you over here, the example I said over there, was not what it should have been. I'm sorry. And The good news is that we're right with God because of Jesus, and we can be right with others as we live for His glory, as imperfect and broken as we are. Because we all are. Lord, we know that the Corinthians were Christians because earlier in the book, Paul said, you've been called into fellowship. Chapter one was some pretty good news, at least a good portion of the chapter. But after that, (laughs) oh, there's tons of correction that comes from Paul's pen to the Corinthians and by extension to the Californians. And if ever a state needed to hear the word of God (laughs) in clarity, It's our state. We pray for the church, Lord, because we could look at the state, we could look at the world, we could look at the government and say, oh, no, what's what's happening? But, Lord, when we look at the professing church and then we see your heart, I have to wonder if when this vote happened in Congress with many people professing that they are Christians, if your heart was not broken again. I think it was. And the question that we ask as Christians, Lord, is what should we do? And the church for 2,000 years has said, let's be a light. Let's give hope to the hopeless. Let's preach hope, the hope of the gospel. Let's take babies that were set aside by rivers and let's pick them up and scoop them up and take them into our homes and, and love them with Christ's love. The church all over the world has had seasons when Persecution has been a testimony to the goodness of God as Christians have testified even to their captors that there's a love and a hope beyond this life, beyond hate and confusion. Lord, we don't want to bow before any other altar but yours because every other so-called God is false and potentially demonic. We want to come before the true God in humility and say, Lord, thank you for coming to rescue us. Thank you for coming on a rescue mission. Thank you for dying on that horrible cross for all the sins and the garbage and the hurts that I've created. Thank you for bringing healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, for cleansing our conscience, for allowing many of us who couldn't even sleep in our prior lives to now be able to rest with a clean conscience. Thank you for taking the burden of our sin and the weight of our mistakes off of our shoulders and placing them on yourself at the cross.
0: You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8, entitled Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. If you missed any part of today's teaching or previous ones in 1 Corinthians, you can listen for free on walkintruth.com, or you can find the Walk in Truth podcast on apps like iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app today. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: You know, Paul's heart is amazing, and really what he says is, even though I have freedom to do certain things, I never want my freedoms to hurt somebody. I never want the exercise of my rights to stumble somebody, or to trip them up, or to hurt them in any way, or to misrepresent the gospel in some way. And so this is really what this message is about. Knowledge can puff up. Love builds up. And if my motive is always to build up my brother, my sister, my spouse, my kids, my family, my coworkers, man, you're going to rarely go wrong if that's your goal. And I think really that's what you can take away from this first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is that let love be your motivator, the love of Jesus. And one thing that we need to pray consistently is, Lord, let your love So fill me that I can just give it away. I want to be a vessel of building others up. Great goal for this year, 2020. Well, speaking of the gospel, Paul is going to give his own life as a gospel witness. He's going to say, really, in 1 Corinthians 9, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. A great goal for 2020 is to be thinking about, man, is is my decision-making, my life, my witness, gospel-driven? It's hard to be thinking about that consistently because sometimes you know, we wrestle between the old man and the new man, the old nature and the new nature, but Lord, let the gospel drive what I do just today. That's a great prayer. And I think that will keep us on track. So glad you're listening to Walk in Truth. Hey, if you have a prayer request, reach out to us at walkintruth.com. Make sure you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store to find out about all that's going on here at Living Truth in Corona,
0: and we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called Paul's Gospel Example. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.